Okay. Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is a Thanksgiving special. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving, Ima? Oh, Ruch Hashem was very, very nice. I went to um, uh, your sister's in-laws, and um, oh my gosh, they had uh, oh, they had a lot of really good stuff. They have one of the um, brothers. It does is an amazing chef, amazing cook, and he not only made um, a lot of the dishes, but he also made a whole you might say buffet of different desserts that were just amazing that, uh, oh yes, the battle of the bones. <laughs> yeah. You really have to expand your pants to uh, focus on you know, Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. Mine was nice. It was okay. Uh, just went to, went to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Just something more, you know, Quiet, nothing too crazy. So, did um, you order? Did you order Chinese turkey? <laughs> uh, kind of, I guess. You want to say like I um, we ordered this. We, we went a little bit off menu. We ordered this one random thing, and it was just freaking huge. I forgot what it was called, but sorry. What kind um, of meat did they use? Did they use turkey or chicken? I think they used chicken. I don't think they did turkey. Did you ever have Thanksgiving when you were a kid? Oh, you bet. We oh, yeah? Because um, we lived... I remember waking up. Um, usually, waking up like Thanksgiving morning, and usually it was your typical fall day, just a little overcast, a little on the chilly side. And the first thing I smelled was my mother was the one who always made the turkey. Mm-hmm. First thing I smelled in the house was the turkey cooking, and that smelled so good. I have a funny thing, though, to tell you. Um... What, uh, my co-worker is from Honduras mm-hmm. and um, we have a, a couple kids that we um, we have a couple kids in our in the uh, nursery that we take care of who um, can I know her let's put this way on the on the softic side yeah you know? yeah and she keeps and for long she, she keeps calling them Puyo Americano fat Americans or, and today she called them Pavo Americano and so I asked her why do you call them Puyo Americano means American chicken? Mm-hmm. And she told me that in um, like a lot of the uh, a lot of the Central and South American countries, yeah, that American chickens and Americans like American fowl, like chickens and turkeys, are known for being big mm-hmm. and fat, whereas evidently the chickens and the turkeys that are you know produced in um, you're more, hate to say it, you're like your more uh, third world countries are known for being very thin. Yeah. I mean, that's really because of the growth hormones and what they feed the chickens and whatnot. Like it's, they get them huge. I, I saw like a few documentaries about it. Um, mm. I don't care, but, but some said, people do. But you, but you said a lot, a lot of like, um, like in Honduras, when someone, when a child is on the, is on the fat side, they'll call them, the, they'll call them Puyo Americano. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah. cute. Well, cause it's funny. Cause in America, uh, there's a thing on Family Guy called um, uh, when there's these kids that are very fat and they're on, you know, more Southern American side. Uh, there's there's something called Diabito. It's from fa- <laughs> it's from Family Guy, where <laughs> there's a a, a, a a fat kid 
and he goes to his mother and says, Mama, can I have cookie? And he said, and, and the mother responds, no diabeto. And the kid rolls off and goes, oh. But um, that's all I can think of that happens in America. Uh, <laughs> I would not I would not trust family guy for any kind of accurate information. No, I wouldn't either. An informational source. <laughs> no. Not at all. Not at all. I don't I don't think so. I think I was just pulling stuff out of my behind. Um <laughs> so you go, go on. You were saying like so in the, you had a Thanksgiving when you were a kid. Who would be invited to the Thanksgiving uh meal when you were a kid? It was I'm trying it was all relatives. Really? Um, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, mm. um, uh, you know, my grandparents. And then later on, when we moved out to um, Baltimore County, my aunt and uncle lived, my aunt and uncle and their kids lived right next door to us. Mm. And so my mother, again, would make the turkey, but my aunt would host it in her house. Okay. And um, I just I just remember you know the yeah the table full of oh my goodness all sorts of food. Would there be and, any like, uh, were, would there be any like political discussions or any fights that would break out? Uh, if there were, I don't remember them. <laughs> well, then obviously you wouldn't be anything that like it wasn't anything strong or significant. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you were no, being a kid. I remember some fights that would break out growing up. Like, oh my God, Friday night meals, cheese Louise. You know, I could tell you stories. Uh, <laughs> we we won't go there. Of course not. But no, so obviously, obviously it wasn't that intense back <laughs> in the day. You know, I was just trying to just stir up the pot. Um, I guess any favorite food, any favorite dessert that you really enjoyed, or any activity that you guys did? Oh, yes. And my mother, not only did she make the turkey, she was known for making her famous jello mold. Oh, the 1950s Jello molds! Wow. Yes. Wow. I I hated it. She would. It, it looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was made in a. You would take the same. Uh, you would take the same uh, pan that you use to make a bunt cake. Yes. Yes, I've seen those pictures. Jello, right, and then you would add um, uh, grated up carrots. Gross. Like finely grounded grated up carrots. I'm sorry to me. A vegetable is a vegetable and should be used in a salad. A vegetable has no place in a jello mold. Yeah, but this was the 50s. People were weird. Oh, my gosh. You'd have the vegetable jello molds in the Thanksgiving dinner? Yes. Ugh. Did you ever try it? Yes, I tried it a few times, which is why I didn't like it. Oh, God. I not tried it. I wouldn't know how much I hated it. Was, was there any like Thanksgiving tradition that you guys kind of did? Tradition. I don't know, like playing tradition. football or something, or watching the Macy, Ma the Ma oh, yeah. Macy's oh, yeah. parade or something. Yes, we, yes, we watched the, We always watch the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I could never figure out why people would actually go to the parade and stand there in the cold because in the when you're, if you're in the crowd, unless you're right there in front, you can't see anything. Oh yeah. So you might as well watch it on television where you get to see everything. But I remember one time, um, my sister Hani, a number of years ago, we went there for Thanksgiving and we were watching the Macy's Day Parade and it started to snow flurry. And one of the girls who was one of the baton twirlers mm -hmm. slipped and fell. 
Whoa. Because it was starting to snow flurry. I always wondered. I mean, I was, I've been told that those girls wear like flesh colored, um, like some flesh colored covering over their arms and legs and everything to make it look like, um, their, to make it look like their, um, you know, it's just their bare arms and legs. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when I see, when I, when I watch them on television, it looks very much like their arms and legs are not covered. No, it's very, I don't know know how they stay in the car. I mean, I see performers here. I mean, some of the performers, um, some of the performers will actually be bundled up in jackets and coats and hats and everything. But there are some performers who will just get up there and, um, just hardly, you know, they'll be wearing just regular, uh, regular clothes, you know, maybe a light jacket or something. Yeah. Rather than being all bundled up. Yeah. I, I was going to say it was because I have friends of mine who were, um, I don't call them figure skaters, professional skaters, but like when we were kids, the hangout spot was like the skating rink. And some friends were really big into skating and they were girls. And what they would do is they would wear these very skin tight, but very thick um, skin colored, you know, leggings and arm things were like from afar and probably from video. You can't really tell that it's that it's not skin, but it is like very like it's like a like a like a thermo like a thermo wear kind of like long john kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the like the last Thanksgiving dinner you had with your family? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. Want to talk about it? <laughs> um, what happened was um, your father and I had just, we had lived in New York for the first eight months of our marriage. And we decided that New York was not for us. And so we moved back to Baltimore. And of course, I, cu- I couldn't really eat anything. Because, you know, my um, my family keeps kosher, but they don't keep a hot... They, my family kept kosher, but they didn't keep a high level of kosher. So I really couldn't eat any of their, you know, homemade foods. But I wanted to go just to be, you know, with the family. Your father declined. Your father said, no, he, you know, he didn't feel like going there and seeing all this food, not being able to eat any of it. So I went there and um, I did. Have, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> but uh, that was it. And then after that, um, that was the last time I went to a, um, I, you know, that was, that was the last time I went to a family Thanksgiving dinner. Did the family, like, I guess, was there some, so here's the thing. There's this TV show that came out recently called The Patient. If anybody's listening right now and wants to see it, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. So anybody who wants to hear it, please pause and try to skim forward. <laughs> but it's a spoiler alert. Uh-huh. In the patient, it's about it, it's there is a, a a plot about a guy who's kidnapped by a serial killer, and he's the and the serial killer kidnapped this Jewish therapist. But the interesting thing about the story, to me, is that the therapist grew up and was and grew up and was a reformed Jew, and his son became religious, and one of the issues they had was he had a the, his son becoming from wanted to join them for a Shabbos meal, Shabbos dinner, 
but because he kept a certain level of kosherus, he had everything prepackaged. So when everyone else was having their meal, the son was there with them, but he had a prepackaged meal, enjoying his prepack and enjoying it, you know. And the and it, it, I just thought of like you and Tati growing up, becoming religious and coming home to like you know your your family that has these like has their own traditions, and you come in and think saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I can't be part of those traditions as much as you'd like me to." And the, the the therapist, the reform Jew, gets very offended, sorry, offended and annoyed and frustrated with his son for having the audacity to bring his own food to the Shabbos meal, you know, and like he get, and for me, it's like the guy is trying, it, it, and that's why a lot of from people love the patient because it shows, you know, like a very honest portrayal of from Jews. And what from Jews go through when they become from and dealing with like their non from families, yeah. you know, and 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 all those issues they went through, and uh, another scene which I felt was like so spot on frustrating was, it was the son is is getting married. It's his wedding day, and the rabbi that you know officiated them and is taking part in their in their wedding is like oh and uh i was just informed that his mother would like to say a few words and his mother comes up with a guitar and the rabbi puts two two together and he's like you know i'm, I'm sorry we can't do kol isha here please like if you're going to say something whatever like make it private or like please don't do this and she said well this is my son's wedding i'm going to sit i'm going to sing at my son's wedding and she starts singing and everyone all the from yidden the, the guys just get up and walk away and the son's like like looking at his father and looking at his mother like why are you doing this to me this isn't what i wanted you're trying to like you're just doing this as a passive aggressive attitude because you hate who i am you know and it's mm-hmm. just, it, it just it was such a such mm-hmm. an interesting point um and that's why like i asked you at the thanksgiving dinner where like it, it was probably something like that where like you came you came home you just wanted to be part of the family again and like the dynamics definitely changed and you try to be there and it just wasn't the same and you felt the animosity of some sort or I'm just making things up. I don't know. You can tell me yes or um, no. I don't remember feeling any um, animosity from my family. They were not, none in particular, but I do remember um, when, um, coming back from New York um, when I was single a few times when I first became from mm-hmm. coming back to New York and the first couple visits coming back from New York um, getting into really very heated discussions with my family and then basically kind of attacking um, what I was doing and how I upset my mother. By We have to understand my mother came from the old school where a nice girl stayed home until she was married. And here I broke the mold by leaving home and going to New York. I mean, my parents, my parents were somewhat supportive. My, my mother bought all this stuff for me when I moved to New York to an apartment. Mm-hmm. She bought a laundry basket. She gave me every time I visited, she would look around for like kosher non-perishables to give me to take back. Like that's um, so sweet. Like the uh, like like a you know like a parvin dairy coffee creamer. She gave me uh, a kettle, you know, an electric kettle. Um, mm-hmm. She gave me um, yeah, you know, she would give me like laundry soaps and everything, you know. But we would get into some pretty heated discussions, and finally, I got to the point that I said, "Look, I said I go out of my way. I spend my money." to drive down here to visit the family. And every time I do, there's a fight. 
I said, if this doesn't stop, the next time you see me will be when you go to New York and visit me. And oh. it all it all stopped with that. They stopped, they stopped basically like attacking what I was doing. So one of the things in the patient they talked about, and I think I, I've definitely heard this before, and tell me if you've heard something similar when you were becoming religious, was that the the reform Jews, like the mother and the father, were getting very upset with the son and told him that he's joining a cult. Um, I've, and- I had some friends, yeah. I had I had friends whose that that wasn't my situation. My my parents after a while were, after I became accepting and they realized they like they spoke to some rabbis, spoke to some you know, conservative rabbis, spoke to some people about it, and um, a lot a lot of the people they spoke to said, "Oh, Lubavitch, Lubavitch, yeah, don't worry, it's not a cult. It's you know, it's a legitimate Jewish group. It's a very nice, you know, it's just you know, uh, it's just an Orthodox Jewish group, and she's in, you know, she's fine. It's a nice community." So um, they, they were okay with that. But I did have friends, you're right, in Mahon Khanna, whose parents were like just beside themselves, that they were totally convinced that their child was joining the cult. And there was this one girl who was very concerned about her mother. She said her mother is so upset with what she's doing that her mother's losing all this weight. So one of the girls said to her, well, just tell your mother to look forward to how great she's going to look when this whole thing is over. <laughs> So the, the, the thing is, you said discussions. Can, can you elaborate more on like the discussions? Like what was like a brief comment or saying or like focal argument? Um, well, see, in my case, my mother was kind of baffled about me not eating in her house because mm-hmm. she did keep, in her mind, she did keep kosher, which she did. But it was not a high level of kosher. In other words, there were some things that did not have hechsher that she she pointed to the OR symbol, which is oh, a patent registry. I've goes, heard that. See, it's I've kosher. It's got OR. I said, Mom, yeah. that's not a kosher symbol. It's a patent registry. I I heard that as a kid growing up. <laughs> I was, and like, I wasn't sure if that was like a joke that some people had or it was a real thing. It was but a real thing. Some guys thing would be like, oh, OR stands for Orthodox Rabbi. Like, nope, that's not uh, how it works. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes there was this one, I forgot what it was called. There was this one, Um, I think it was salmon or something. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the name of it. I think it was Rubenstein or something, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it had it had Jewish stars on it. And everybody, because they saw the name. Yeah. Jew name, stars. Jew symbols. No, right. They assumed yeah. it was kosher and it was not. It's like it's like going to the Essen Room in Baltimore. The Essen Room <laughs> is a Jewish style non-kosher restaurant. They focus on Jewish style. So like deli on rye. Or, you know, roast beef or whatever. I don't know. I Because I got confused one point because uh, I was just I was I, I had the app called Kosher near me and I was trying to see, like, is there anything new I, I wasn't aware of? And I mm-hmm. saw the Essen room. I'm like, and it had the Jewish font, you know, that Jewish font where like it looks like it's Hebrew lettering, but it's English lettering. Whoa. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the yes. Essen room. And I looked at it. Did it mention like I think it mentioned like ham and then I mentioned like milk and meat products together. I'm like, what? And I skimmed through it and like, it's like a Jewish style. Like that's a thing, you know, like my, my, my culture and, and, and religious, you know, laws have turned into some kind of style for eatery. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I remember many years ago in Maryland, they finally, the legislature passed a law that you couldn't say Jewish style. Or you, you couldn't, couldn't say, say Jewish style. You, yeah. You couldn't say Jewish style. You couldn't say kosher style. 
No, no, I think I think it was you couldn't say kosher style. That was it. You couldn't say kosher style. I think they I think they were legally able to say Jewish style, but they could not say kosher style. That was it. See, it's funny. Some, yeah, she had some places that were advertising themselves as kosher style. And so I think it was um if I'm not mistaken, Barbara Hoffman, the Jewish representative in the um you know, state legislature that had that law passed that they could no longer say kosher style. Yeah, I think I think kosher style it's interesting because I'm I'm quickly checking it up. Uh-huh. And I think kosher style you're allowed to say and Jewish style you're allowed to say. I think what it was, I th- and I heard something growing up where it's like <laughs> you had these you had these like almost not kosher it was almost like like the, the, the non-kosher world was trying to get into the kosher world without the restrictions. So they found these workaround labeling and um, stuff because you could say kosher dill. Uh-huh. You know, there's kosher style. You can say Jewish style. Um, you can do that. It's just it's one of that like all like false advertising kind of thing where you're trying to like work around what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember a few times with my family where um, even there was this one there was this one restaurant called they're no longer around. They were called Suburban House, mm-hmm. and they used to advertise that they do shiva trays. Oh yeah, and it was a big problem with you know um, with me. Especially when I, you know, when I, uh, um, it was, it was a very, it's a very big problem when I had to tell a lot of my relatives that, hey, this restaurant's not kosher and you can't send these trays to an Orthodox, if you have any Orthodox Jewish friends, you, you, know, you can't send these trays to them. And they were, and they were kind of baffled. Like the, the, the non educated Jewish people really are, are, you know, were very, very confused. They didn't quite know what was going on. Um, I remember one time, um, uh, our family was having some sort of simcha, not my, you know, my, my family when I was single. And of course they wanted me to come and they said, oh, it's all going to be kosher, kosher. We're using, and they named, um, it was, uh, the, the lady was called the omelet queen and everything's kosher. So I decided to call her up Yeah. and I said, excuse me, my, my family's having simcha and they told me you're kosher. Are you, she was very honest with me. She was terrific. She was very honest. She says, no, I am not kosher. She says, um, the, she says, you know, in the case of, uh, you know, a lot of families, like your family will request that I not use bacon, I not use ham, yeah. I, you know, make sure all my ingredients um, are not, um, you know, not, you know, trafe. But she says, I use my pots and pans and things for all sorts of like bacon and ham and all sorts of things. Yeah. I, I see. It's funny. I'm not sure if I've told this to you on the, uh, on the radio, on the podcast, or if it was something that like I've said to you at, uh, off air, but um, yeah, Ruth and I were at a wedding one time and I, I thought it was like a from, not from wedding, but at least like at least a, a somewhat Jewish affiliated wedding. And I didn't realize it was a mixed it was a mixed wedding. And it made me like double check of like, wait a second, is the food even kosher? Or one of those things where it's like they tell you it's kosher, but it's not, it's kosher style. So mm-hmm. I, I I I did something a little bit on the sly. I, I said I was really impressed with the catering. If I could please take a look at the 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 caterer, mm-hmm. I'd love to know who it is because I, I might be interested in for something on my own. <laughs> And they gave me their card. They gave me their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I took a look and did some research. And like, it, it, it was, it was like decent kosher, not like star K, like momish kosher, but it was more of like, 
like I think some modern Orthodox rabbi from YU started this kosher's program and like does it. So it's like I would eat it, but like <clears throat> I bet you five bucks nobody in my shul would eat it, you know? No, um no so I was like it was fine, it was fine for me, but like it wouldn't be anything else. Um well but the, the thing that I that baffled me was that I found irritating was when my family found out that I had called this woman. Yeah. I got no one actually I told them what happened was Oh, they, you told them they, you ran yourself yeah, out? They, that, you know, what happened was they started this thing with me about how come I'm not eating, you know, isn't it kosher? And I said, and I said, no, it's not kosher. I said, if you don't believe me, ask the, la ask the lady herself. Because I called her. I told her, so I called her and I asked her. And she was very honest with me. She told me, no, it's not kosher. How dare you call her and ask? Like, hey, I'm putting, and I, I said, wait a minute. You know, I'm the one eating this. There's nothing wrong with me checking up on it. But I yeah. can't get over how people get offended like that. I mean, yeah, you're the ones who hired somebody that was not really kosher, and now you're angry at me that I found out the truth. What, what's, what's what's frustrating? What's frustrating psychologically? What's happening? What's happening in that moment is people are are very on the fence with you because they're they're realizing that the trust and the bond they have with you is slowly breaking, and then they do something in a way where they they're not trying to be on the slide, they're not trying to be vindictive, but they in their heart know that it is kosher and it is fine. <laughs> and you say, "Well, I found out. I went behind your back." And I uh, and that thing that you you trusted in me to to just trust you. Well, it turns out you're wrong, and I can't trust you. So there's it's like this mixed feeling, and it's like a lot of times when people feel attacked, they go on the attack instead of saying, "Well, maybe I was wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize." Like when in your life have you ever said, "Maybe I was wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize," honestly and earnestly, or when anybody in your life in your family has ever said that to you? You know, it probably was few and far between. Or you have to think uh, about it for five minutes. Actually, that, no, I don't have to think about it. Actually, I, I have done that quite often. Mm, interesting. Baruch Hashem, no, I have. Um, I've done that quite often with um with people where I realized I was wrong and apologized. I've done that, especially as a teacher. Oh, okay. As a, te as a teacher, the best you know when a teacher is wrong, the best thing to do is you no, know, don't try to cover it up. Don't try to pretend that you're Mister or Mrs. or Miss. You know, uh, know it all. Because you're not, you know, Mr. Know-it-all. You be, I'm being honest with your students. Say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. I, I was wrong. You know, I did make a mistake. You know, and that's that's the best way to uh, that's the best way to do it. I, I think I told you about an incident once um, with a girl where um, I was having a hard time with the class and this girl was sitting and talking and I, I kind of I kind of lost it and I shouldn't have done this. And I um, poked her on the shoulder like a little on the hard side. And I said, stop talking. And I felt really badly about it afterwards. And, you know, she, I could see she was like starting to cry. And um, so I thought, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide this. I'm going to bring it up to my principal and tell her the truth. And, you know, because in case the parents call and start to yell and um, whatever. So I told my principal and my principal first was very impressed that I was up up front with her and she said you know thank you for telling her and she goes look she says i think the best thing for you to do is to do something preemptive don't wait for the kids to come home and start crying and the parents to call mm -hmm. as soon as you get home tonight you call the parents immediately you tell the parents what you did and apologize i said okay so as soon as i got home i called the mother and i told her about the incident and apologized i said i'm really sorry i said i i shouldn't have poked her on the shoulder and i <laughs> I was having a very hard time with the class that day and I lost it. I'm very sorry. 
So she was, she was very impressed. She goes, you know, my daughter didn't say anything to me about this. <laughs> so really she goes, and, and so she says, but I'm very impressed that you called and, 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 you know, admitted what you didn't apologize. And she said, I think it's very wonderful that you did that. So I said, well, put your daughter on the phone. I want to apologize to her too. And then the, the daughter, you know, said, yes, she forgave me. It was okay. That, you know, she, it was, you know, it was all right. She, it's all right. She's like, it's okay. So the next time she saw me in class, she asked me, why did you call and apologize? <laughs> so I said, well, don't you think it's right if you know that you hurt somebody, especially someone who's nice, that you should call and apologize? <laughs> well, I, I have another question then. When it comes to child raising, do you ever apologize to your own child when you did something wrong? I, ever, I thought I apologized to you a few times, didn't I? No, that's not my point. My point <laughs> is saying, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing <laughs> to do when, when raising a child? Do you oh, definitely. always apologize? Definitely. If, 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 if it, let's put it this way. You have, if it's real, you know what I mean? You're not going to apologize for something that you really didn't do or something that's fake or whatever. If you honestly made a mistake, mm -hmm. an honest mistake. Yeah. And it didn't turn out well, or your child got, you know, um, was upset by it or whatever. Or if you if you dis if you disciplined your child and, and then later on you realize, hey, I went overboard. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was I really, you know, punished, I really punished him or her beyond which was, you know, should have been for whatever they did. There is nothing wrong in coming back to your child and saying, listen, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have been so hard on you. And you might want to give them give them some money or candy or, you know, do something nice to kind of make up for it. Okay. Because for, for me, it's more of like, I, I, I was speaking to Pesci about this and Pesci, Pesci is adamantly like never apologized to a child. She doesn't believe in apologizing that like you're basically a level of like a, like a monarch, you know, and it's, it's a yes or no thing and you have to save face and you never apologize to your child. You're never Look, wrong. You, you don't know that for sure. Come on. You don't live in their house with them. No, 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 no. She flat out told me that's what she does. So I was curious about your perspective. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, well, I, I think it's important. In and fact, she I could, think it's she, important. And she could, by the way, she can contact me and we could have her on and we could have a discussion. You might have to put a disclaimer in there that people should put some, what's that? Circuit breaker. On, on electronic equipment, it won't blow up. The energy that's going to come over from that. Just <laughs> no, stirring the pot, causing drama for my podcast. I th I think it's good for mm -hmm. a parent to model, uh, basically to model, um, being a being a a human being, and that human beings are fallible, and we do make mistakes, and there is nothing wrong with when you realize you made a mistake, admit, being honest, admitting it, and apologizing. You know, quite honestly, if you look at a lot of things that have happened in our government, a lot of scandals, mm -hmm. um, a lot of um, things that have led to, like, the, the whole, a, a downfall, a whole regime, a lot of that was people not being honest about a mistake they made and trying to cover it up. Watergate is an excellent example of this. Mm. All yeah. Nixon had to do was to publicly say, these people 
who broke into the Democratic headquarters, um, did it without my knowledge, without my consent. Had I known about what they were planning, I for sure would have said no. And they are, I have, I have taken the, yeah, he, he, and he said, he should have said that he, that they are fired and that he is officially apologizing to the DMC for their behavior. Mm-hmm. And if the DMC wants, they are perfectly free to bring criminal charges against these people. And had he come out publicly and said that, that would have been the end of it. But yeah. instead, he tried to cover it up. He tried to lie, tried to cover it up, yada, yada, yada. You know? Well, because a lot and of... I, I, to, quite honestly, I don't know why he did that. It I know why. It was a stupid thing to do. I know why he did it. But they were, Why? Because the way it works in politics mm-hmm. is it's us versus them. And you have to protect your boys before you, you know, throw them to the dogs. You know, and, and on a level of leadership for the GOP, he had to go ahead and stand his ground and wait for the things to blow over, which they did not. But in his mind, he was going to go ahead and stand his ground, stand up for his boys, and wait for the whole thing to blow over. Well, maybe so many politicians are so used to having... Uh, dishonesty and lies as part of their as part of their life that it, they don't know they don't know the difference yeah they put you know they don't know the difference between the truth and a lie anymore because because lying is so so much part of their everyday living yeah it's like the uh the song goes how about a crooked <laughs> politician hey stupid that stupid, ain't, that news, ain't no news no more boy. but the old, the, you know, the old will rogers joke if it weren't yeah. if it weren't for government, the politicians would have to find an honest way to make a living. Yeah, yeah, because it's slimy and grimy, and that's just how it works. You know, just look at today's politics; it's just gross. But you <laughs> know, in a way, there's a certain there's a certain idealistic part of me mm-hmm. that still holds out and says it doesn't have to be that way, and maybe, maybe, um. One day we will have the type of government that will be honest, and we'll see that. Yeah, one one day, one day when Mashiach when comes, Mashiach, I was thinking the same thing. The dead rise, and the world will be rainbows and butterflies, and we won't have to worry about anti-Semitism, which was the main topic we were trying to get to tonight, but we weren't able to. So maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, honey. All right, no, we got I, we got like we got like five minutes to go. You can chat oh, and fill up that time. Oh, oh, talk about Thanksgiving. I, what, what I thought was interesting was yeah. when I became from a lot of from families do not celebrate Thanksgiving. But what was interesting, how many from houses I have been to after Thanksgiving that served t- turkey and pumpkin pie because it's all on sale. Oh, okay, that makes okay. I thought it was a cultural thing. All right, no, yeah, it is a cultural thing to save money for sure. Brings us back to anti-Semitism. All righty. <laughs> Some of the stuff, they're not, not wrong. Yeah. It's just their presentation was kind of bad. You know? <laughs> like, that's why it's like, I think with Kanye West, it's like, <clears throat> I get it. You don't like your, your Jew producer and your Jew agent, your Jew manager. Okay. <laughs> just, just don't put it all on us. Don't start blaming us for, you know, other people's problems. But well, you it? know, you, you saw that you saw the documentary from Mendy Palin, the kind of oh, yes. really Jewish. Oh, God, that was funny. That was funny. I, I wonder was... how many people are going to watch that and th- take it for real. No one's going to take it for real. Everyone knows he's full of it. They're full of it. It's a joke. If you if, <laughs> and if you do take it for real, there's a like 
like this there's that's other serious issue which like the other thing with with anti-semitism it's like this whole idea of making a conversation having a conversation trying to stir like trying to have like talk to someone who's trying to like wonder what's going on i agree with you, you could have a conversation but there's going to get to a point though that certain people you can't have a conversation with they don't want to listen they just want to be angry and ragey and whatnot you know oh mm-hmm. oh for sure yeah it's for just... sure i mean i there was this one time when your father and i were first married living crown heights um there was this uh girl who had become from and she wanted her very very over the hill liberal um anti this anti that sister to come for shabbos just yeah. to see a shabbos so we had her at our table and this is a college educated woman who, with all her liberal ideas, insisted very vehemently that sex has nothing to do with having children. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing we could do to convince her otherwise. That's, again, that goes back to what we were talking before, is just, you know, some conversations with some people, especially on Turkey Day when you're, you know, with your family, it's just not worth your time. Just show them love and support. Be there for them as a human being, but don't get involved in conversations that like they're not interested in. Well, like you know, especially like a politics. I've I've learned you know, actually I've I've learned the hard way that uh, you get together with you know people for social events like that. It's best just to keep the conversation parve. Yeah. 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 Keep things parve. Keep things light. You know, keep things interesting. The, the thing is, is that because everyone has their own ideas and thoughts and what they want to do, you know, and it's just like you're 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 not. People think they're the next, you know, missionary, so to speak, that they're going to be the ones going to stop the other person's perspective from destroying the world. You know, people really have that. They think that their perspective is the only way that this world should exist. And I get the passion, but. That's that's the the going to be the harsh reality when when Mashiach comes. Like, hey, we all were right. We all had our own perspective and our own parts that were able to bring this world together. Like, just because you think one way and the other person thinks another way, doesn't mean that they're not going to coincide. Like, we have this one vision of reality. Who knows what reality really is? Hmm. Very interesting. Interesting point. Here's what reality is. Hmm. You never know. Who knows? It's interesting. Who knows what reality is? Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Fantastic. Please like and subscribe and go on YouTube and Facebook and comment and tell everybody, tell the whole world and, and spread the love and make this like a virus. All right. Because yeah, we are out to we are out to uh to change the world. Sure. All right. I love you. Mom. All right. Take care. Have a good time. You too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please send us feedback and comments on our Facebook page and like and subscribe on YouTube. I know I would like it, and my mother would too.